0: Welcome, welcome, welcome in to a Wednesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the Morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, no Justin Kenny this morning. He's taking care of a family matter for one of his sons. He'll be back with us, though, actually tonight for the High School Coaches Show. Derek Decker filling in for Justin. Good morning, Derek. Great to have you in the studio. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's good to be on this side of the hall. I, I like it down <laughs> here. This is a big studio. This is great. I, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, we we have, well, the old literal big studio uh, here <laughs> down the hall. And coming up on the show today, uh, we have news in college football. Riley Leonard officially transfers to Notre Dame. What that means for the Irish. We'll get to that after headlines. Plus, the Colts, uh, dare I say, and I, I hate saying this, but I think it's a must-win game Saturday for the Colts and their playoff hopes against the Steelers. Plus, the best game of the college basketball weekend, not on TV. What does this mean for the sport? And Dylan Sin in the Journal Gazette will join us in hour number two to discuss all things Notre Dame, Riley Leonard to the Irish, uh, updates on Purdue and IU in the portal as well. He'll join us about 8.05. Plus, uh, we'll do a a fun little segment that I'm going to call Season of Giving a Team That You Do Not Root For That Most Deserves a Title. Plenty of candidates across college and pro sports. We'll get to that. And uh, rumors continue to persist. In fact, I think our buddy Ryan Eaton, uh, tweeted us the other day, asking you know any, any truth to this, but uh, potentially another team or teams could be on their way to the Big Ten. We'll get to that uh, after eight thirty or so, and uh, before we leave you, uh, a California woman's toilet in her apartment, well, was flooding, but not water. We'll we'll get to that at the end of the show. Uh, so always something wacky going on, and and for once, it's not a Florida story. We we usually focus on Florida wildlife. <laughs> In Florida, residents, but this is a California one, so it's a good changeup.
1: You have no words, <laughs> no no words. Although I, I will say, I cheated a little bit and looked ahead at this yeah. thing. Like it, it is, it it's is wild. something. Yeah. it is. I, I don't really know. I don't think anybody knows how it happened no. either. So it's just like this random thing that you, know, you walk <laughs> into your bathroom and and there you go. So th- th- I'm looking forward to talking about that because <laughs> it uh, it definitely has Christmas type comparisons. So winter wonderland in your bathroom. <laughs>
0: you just you wonder how that actually happened but uh, we'll get to it about 850 or so coming up later in the show 46862 is the text line number that's how you reach us again 46862 and we got to come up with our keyword for today's WWE Sunday Stunner so we've used uh, I think we used Hogan yesterday I forget what we used Monday I've slept a couple times since then so uh, do you have a keyword for us Mm. for our pair of tickets to WWE Sunday Stunner April 21st at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. That's difficult. I, I think... hmm. Ringside sounds Ooh, good. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Ringside. So text RINGSIDE to 46862, and you'll be entered to win a pair of tickets. Again, WWE Sunday Stunner April 21st, at the Coliseum. These are good seats. Uh, I was talking with Brett yesterday, and these are about... They're not... Um, literal ringside because if you think about it, you actually can't see that well when you're ringside, right? These are on the, the next section up, but like for like second or third row. So these are going to be a, a prime view for you to see this. So again, text ringside to four, six, eight, six, two, and you'll be in the running for those tickets. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at headlines this morning. And once again, uh, another NFL week, another NFL starting quarterback injured this time, it is Justin Herbert is he's going to have season ending finger surgery. So he's out after suffering um, a fractured right index finger and in the loss of the Broncos on Sunday. So we have let's see if I can run this down because it's a long list. So you have <laughs> Justin Herbert, Anthony Richardson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and there's seven, right? Seven quarterbacks, I believe, who have suffered season ending. Sounds injuries. right. Yes. So there's three. Um, man, this is tough let's see uh now i i think i've run out of gas already um so the three you said were herbert rogers and who was the the third i said herbert rogers oh uh herbert rogers <laughs> oh and richardson Richardson.
1: okay Colts quarterback right so there are seven mm-hmm. who am i missing why I think you left a relatively local team off the list. There's oh oh Deshaun Watson in the Browns, mm-hmm.
0: um, Joe Burrow in the Bengals. Yep, there's five. Um, man.
1: Oh the the Ra- Raiders no. Um, actually not holding the answers here, so I don't know. No, I know, wow, but you're, you're doing look. a good job. <laughs> like I was just
0: off the spot of my head. I'm trying to think of you know all the quarterbacks that have been lost this season, and I knew it was. Seven. So we've named five of the seven. The, the fact, though, oh, um, the Giants, um, Daniel Jones, right? Six, That's and right. then we're we're missing one other. I'm sure we'll come up with it. But it's just been a wild season for injuries. And I think I heard someone talking about this the other day. There's so much talk about quarterback injuries, but what about line play and the fact that there's less contact in practices and training camps and mm-hmm. that. How much can we throw on line play? Not not saying that it's lineman's fault. It's the
1: fact that they're just they're not getting the reps and practice time like they used to. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a couple different reasons. I mean, think about it. I, by the way, did you say Kirk Cousins? I was no, thinking about that's that. so that's the other there's, one. There's number seven. Um, you've got a situation now where I think we're in fairly unprecedented territory when it comes to the NFL. At this point in the season, I mean, you're talking about franchise quarterbacks that are down. Some of these guys went out very early in the season. I mean, it it was Aaron Rodgers, a precursor to all the other (laughs) things that happened with every other guy the rest of the year. But I, I think we're just in an interesting spot in flux. And I think it's honestly a big reason why there's a ginormous log jam in the AFC right now, because you got all these teams that are seven and six that are just kind of sitting there in the playoff hunt that nobody really knows if they're good or not. All these teams get into the playoffs. Who's going to win a playoff game without a solid quarterback? That bring. I mean, the Colts are right there in that discussion, right? I mean, the, the storylines apply to the Colts here. Anthony Richardson, not available. Minshew's been serviceable, taking them to a, a solid year. I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if the Colts make the playoffs, Shane Steichen's got candidate for coach of the year, no question about it, with what he's done with his team given the injuries and everything else that they've gone through. But it's interesting to see how this is going to play out over the next few weeks, because again, we're in very choppy water when it comes to um, preseason expectations, you know, on the NFC side, there was all this thought that, Hey, there's going to be balance and there's going to be lots of teams that can make a run. Well, it turns out there's a couple teams at the top and that's pretty much it. And then the AFC is the league with, with all the, uh, the competition and all the parody. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, a couple AFC teams figure things out toward the end of this season. You know, you got basically four weeks left. You know how to how does how, how do the Bengals recover? You know, they kept things alive with that big win over the Colts on Sunday. Like I, I just there's there's too many storylines to talk about in one sentence, but it is just a fascinating idea to see teams figure things out. It's literally like watching mid tier mid major college football where you've got guys that just step up out of nowhere and you know, e- even die hard fans something you got a couple teams um that are toying with the realistic possibility of a third string quarterback at this point in the season. and that is just something that is completely unheard of in the NFL uh, from year to year for most teams. I mean, usually there's a team or two out there. It's yeah, like, okay, yeah. they've had some bad quarterback luck, but this is almost a third of the league <laughs>
0: and it and it's not like the Broncos during.
1: Covid, when they had right. you know
0: like receiver <laughs> right. quarterback, like that was that was a unique circumstance. This is just regular circumstances within the season. I think the the other thing to look at is, I mean, the Vikings, for example, Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins mm-hmm. to Josh Dobbs, who they traded for, he played well for a hot second, right? And now they're starting uh, B.J. Mullen. so it's it's just it's a rotation of quarterbacks, and yet a lot of these teams with quarterback issues. Are very much in the hunt. I think that's the most surprising part of it.
1: Yeah, it's it is fascinating. And again, I think part of it's like, well, you're in the hunt because you're playing teams that are also dealing with the same problems. I mean, you know, who comes up with? You've got two great young quarterbacks. I'm, I'm thinking back to Sunday again with the Colts and Bengals preseason. You're saying, "Oh, this is going to be a really could be a really yeah. fun quarterback matchup," <laughs> and and you get what you get. So I I don't know. It, it is good to see that all these teams are are finding different ways to win. We have seen some running backs really explode this season um, with different guys around the league that have have dealt with injuries, and that's really cool to see. But it, it's good to see young quarterbacks in the mix too, because. This is just deepening the talent pool for backups in the future, and that is a really big deal because sometimes there is a big drop-off. There's not a ton of capable backups in the NFL, and this is a, a really good season to kind of showcase that, hey, there are plenty of guys that can get it done for other teams or you, you see some of these guys get shipped around like, like a Fitzmagic That'll just get shipped around the league for the next decade and be on a team for 12 weeks and then leave and go to the next place. But that, that's really good for a lot of these guys that can uh, that can step into a big role and win games. And they've proven that over the last few weeks. Meanwhile, in the
0: NBA, a note that happened late. I uh, saw the highlight this morning. Draymond Green at mm. it again. Uh, mm-hmm. Nice little backhand to Yusuf Nurkic. As the Suns edged the Warriors 119 to 116. Like, (laughs) he's just become a caricature of a player at this point. Like, I I was shocked that the Warriors were so willing to sign him in free agency because I'm like, you really want to deal with all of the nonsense. Like, the nonsense is great when you're winning, and the Warriors started out the year strong, but they're 10 and 13 now. They're not sniffing the playoffs, right? Um, they're they're a playing Clay Thompson is a shell of who he was, and and we knew that injury was serious. Steph Curry's still really good. Um, some of the rookies, I mean, uh, Trace Jackson Davis gets minutes and, and has flashes here and there, but I mean, this is just a a team that Draymond Green is holding them back at this point. Yeah. Well, by the way, he says he.
1: Didn't mean to hit him. Yeah, that, that's whatever. what he said. He said he whatever. was trying to sell the call and all this stuff, and didn't mean to hit him. And I mean, it wasn't a punch. I'll give him that. That is true. the The thing that fascinates me with, um, with with what Draymond Green's a, uh, antics have become is like expecting the post game or the next day apology, because that's always what it is. It's always like I, I feel like he carries with him this charismatic personality that says, "Okay, I'm going to apologize after everything that I do," and then. There's there's no recourse like there's no he never changes the way that he acts like I'm not I'm not personally attacking the guy's character. I'm just saying like the same stuff keeps happening and yeah. this has been a huge sample size. It's not like this is a one-off every few years where he just like blows his top and loses his crap. That's not what this is. This is a recurring theme multiple times a year gets ejected all the time and uh, actually I should go back and look in and see who's leading the league in ejections in like the last decade. But uh, he's got to be in the mix for players. I I mean, he's got to be be right at the top.
0: And and speaking of ejections, uh, real quick, another note. uh, Nikola Jokic tossed. uh, He got booze from the crowd. It was Serbian night. Uh, (laughs) He gets tossed, complaining about a call with just uh, a minute, eight seconds remaining in the second quarter. He gets ejected. Yelled at an official, was given a tech, and then immediately ejected the the crowd. Because they're there to see him, obviously. Um, But I I think Michael Malone had a a great line talking about this after the fact, saying, oh, you know, uh, the the line he said, that's a term of endearment in my house, you know, when I was growing up. So (laughs) (laughs) everyone just (laughs) having a good joke about uh, this happening. But uh, back to Draymond briefly, Mm -hmm. uh, I just, how much longer... Do you put up with this? And the fact is, like, he's not someone
1: that they can just easily trade because of the antics. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I I think he could end up on a team that's kind of, like, sniffing at, you you know, like a a play-in game late Mm -hmm. in the year. Just some team that's on the fringe of competing that maybe didn't expect to compete. By the way, I looked up the thing. 19. That was his 19th ejection. Wow. That is second all-time. To only... Uh, Rasheed Wallace? Yes. He's <laughs> 29, so there's still a long way to go to get there. But yeah, he's outpaced. I mean, guys like Dwight Howard, who got tossed all the time. Uh, Reggie Miller, who has had a dozen ejections throughout the course of his career. And he's already gone way above that. So. Reggie had a dozen ejections? That is correct. That's hard to believe. But uh, you know, Charles Barkley had 16. Oh, yeah. So like, I, I love looking through this list. But yeah, so he's in the mix, right at the top of all time. But I don't know. I don't know. I think... Different teams are more apt to take on risk like that again, especially if there's a team out there that says, "Hey, we didn't expect to compete. Now we look at ourselves and and we're getting into March and you know we're kind of hanging around and we're competing a little bit. Maybe somebody makes a late trade for him. I I don't know. It, it's somebody that's going to have to swallow that, and definitely you're going to have to deal with this from time to time. With that being said, as much as I criticize the apology thing, you know whether it's you know empty or not, he says it every time. So like he doesn't. Act like, like I feel like the Rasheed Wallace thing was a little different response Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. that was a different way of handling Things um, but It seems like there's going to be change At least it makes you believe that For a couple weeks until he does it again but um, I, I don't know all Things considered I think he's I don't think he's a bad guy to have a around the locker Room no you know Teammates enjoy playing with him. so Except he's, Jordan Poole. Well, that's true. But, you know, he has all this energy and, again, this charisma. He's a leader. At the same time, it's like there has to be some level of maturity for a guy to be a leader in the locker room, somebody that needs an experienced veteran. So I, there's some value there. I just don't know who's going to be willing to take on that risk.
0: I can picture in my head Rashid Wallace with his mouth agape and <laughs> his yeah. hands out like, what like what, what did I just do? Um, <laughs> many times yes, of all over the years. Uh, in college football, Florida State uh, snubbed out of the college football playoff. Now, Florida's attorney general is launching an antitrust probe mm. against the college football playoff selection committee. Uh, Ashley Moody says she wants answers about why the Knolls were left out of the playoff. This is not what, surprising. What does she want? What, what does she want people to say? Like, I, I mean, this so is just I, all like, political like, posturing. Yeah, I get it. Mm. You knew this would happen. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in sports, the NBA in-season tournament. So the Pacers. Uh, made it all the way to the championship, uh, never really could get over the hump against the Lakers in that one. But hey, it didn't matter because the in-season tournament, we talked about this on the show in the past, like we were wrong, we, we railed on this thing, thought it was stupid. But the championship game averaged 4.58 million viewers, mm-hmm. most watched non-Christmas NBA game during the regular season in
1: nearly six years. That's a success. Yeah. And, and that's what the Pacers playing. Yeah. So that tells you like, and granted, you know, the, the Lakers were in there, but like in that and that's, you know, arguably the NBA. But if you had like stuff, the
0: Bucks versus the Lakers, you
1: probably expect a bigger rating. True. But given the numbers that it pulled, I, I just think the more impressive thing, even though that is impressive in itself, was like the the semifinals the quarterfinal round when it was still I guess it'd be the quarterfinals before the semis, before it went to Vegas, the home atmospheres were incredible. It was playoff atmosphere. No question about it. I mean, it felt like a playoff game. So like that is what the NBA was trying to do. I I think like before the season, seeing this stuff come up, thought this would be just another thing, you know, and I I don't know. Maybe it'll flame out over a couple of years. Maybe it will. Definitely. I think you could re-look at the court situation, but that was kind of a failure. But outside of that, Now, there was lots of success here and the NBA, got some in-season excitement in the regular season, which needs some juice. Um, The NBA and basketball does not have the same appeal throughout the regular season. And granted, I'm a a, kind of a baseball homer, but like baseball regular season is different. It's always been long and it's a leisurely pace and stuff just happens and they play every day. So it's a little bit different. We've got a long regular season in the NBA. and You're trying to entice guys to not be. Sit on the bench and not rest and get guys amped up for, you know, a potentially important game. There were a lot of money incentives at the end of this thing. So I, I think they did a lot of things well. I'm sure a few changes will be made over next year, uh, in the next few years. But I, I think overall, like as an entire picture, success, even though the league probably didn't want the Pacers playing no. the championship. No, they did
0: not. But the fact that, I mean, look, anytime you give players a monetary motivation mm-hmm. like they did, I mean, LeBron. I mean, he, he took over this tournament. I mean, no we question. shouldn't have been surprised. Vintage LeBron moments here. He he did what he did um, is, is really impressive over the course of of the tournament. And again, you knew that he would probably be able to pull this off. And mm-hmm. he did, despite his age. And it goes to show you, even though people want to write him off because of his age, he is still, without a doubt, on that top list of players in the NBA. That That has not changed. Uh, Elsewhere on headlines, quick note, uh, Dylan Thieneman, who was named an AP third team All-American for Purdue, uh, picked up another honor yesterday. He was named the 24-7 sports freshman, true freshman of the year. So congrats to him on that. And just a, a monster season. One of the few bright spots for Ryan Walters in year one with the Boilers and the fact that they already have a stud defensive back, which was Walter's specialty at Illinois, is a good sign for the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the the projection for this, like the the trajectory of this Purdue team, there is hope. Like, I know things went south this year, and I I just think I like what the the program has done. I think, you know, there's there's some genuine hype around the team. The game day experience has gotten better. You know, there's there's always hype. It's different. It's completely different than Indiana football. So, like, um, even though they haven't had long periods of sustained success, you know, there is some hope, and they have had some success. They've obviously had great quarterbacks throughout the history of Purdue football. but there's uh, there's legitimate talent. I think there will be some success in the portal and I like the base recruiting class that Purdue brings in next year in terms of pieces that they're trying to fill on the team. So I I think there's lots of reason for optimism, and in my opinion, even though the schedule gets a little bit more difficult for Purdue over the next couple of years in the new Big Ten, which that may be even changing more depending (laughs) on what happens, but um, there's real signs for hope, and I I think this is a team that should expect to be in the mix for a bowl game next year. The
0: the thing is, they're going to have to replace at wide receiver Mm -hmm. T.J. Sheffield in the portal, and we just learned that Dion Burks, uh, young kind of rising, uh, star player for Purdue, he's transferring to Oklahoma. So yeah, <laughs> upgrade for him. So congrats. <laughs> uh, and that's no offense to Purdue, but I just, I mean, you go from Purdue to Oklahoma. I mean that that puts you on a more of a national scale. So wish him the best of luck, uh, there down in Norman. Four six eight six two, the text line number four six eight six two. Don't forget, you can text Ringside. To that number being the running for a pair of tickets to see WWE Sunday Stunner, April 21st at the Coliseum. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show, so get your entries in throughout the show. Also, don't forget, you can always stream us, 1380thefan.com via the 1380thefan app or your smart speaker all for free. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker with you. Riley Leonard headed to South Bend. The former Duke quarterback uh, will transfer to Notre Dame Compete for the Irish starting job. This is an interesting move. This has long been rumored. It was finally confirmed. There was expected to be confirmed on Friday, and they got pushed back over the weekend. But he uh, will join the team, and again, he probably won't be won't be part of the Sun Bowl. Um, but Steve Angeli, likely Sun Bowl starter. Now you have an interesting situation where you bring in a, another guy. You had a, a, a guy already here, and we saw this last spring with Notre Dame with. Tyler Buckner, who started the bowl game, and then he was battling with Sam Hartman, who brought in, and Sam Hartman easily won that competition. Now you have the same thing with Steve Angeli and Riley Leonard. With Leonard, I guess, I mean, you're getting a guy who is way different from Sam Hartman coming off an injury-plagued year, but he, he's much more of a threat to run the football. Uh, he had some buzz early this year until all the injuries that, that started with the end of the Notre Dame game. But for Notre Dame, I mean, you're, you've taken a transfer... In 2021 with Jack Cohn, in 2023 with Sam Hartman, now for 2024 with Riley Leonard. Oh, and the fact that Riley Leonard could face his former coach in the season opener next year against <laughs> Texas A. I mean, there are so many storylines. Oh yeah, for Notre Dame for next year. But I guess the starting point is: Is Riley Leonard an upgrade over Steve Angeli? Like long term, is this? I I get it. It's a short term play, but this seems like a lot closer than what we saw this past spring between Hartman and Buckner.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And I'm not sure what the, uh, the competition will look like in the spring and how things all shake out. And really does the, the next question is, you know, does Steve Angeli hang around? Does he yeah. feel like he has a shot to, to be the starting quarterback next year? And if not, is that enough to say, Hey, I'm still at Notre Dame. Be okay. Be in the backup. I, I don't know. But I think part of it does depend on. There's a lot riding on this game now for Steve Angeli, and now the future of who Notre Dame is going to have under center next year. Like there is a ton. Like for people that thought the Sun Bowl didn't matter, and you know, nine and three, you're playing Oregon State, whatever. Like this is this is a legitimate important game for Notre Dame, at least in terms of. I'd say it's less important if they win, but it's very important to see key personnel um, and and who makes decisions going forward next year and and how things all shake out. I, I think there's. A lot of things that Steve Angeli could do well for this team, um, and I'm kind of on board with you. I don't know how much of a difference necessarily there is. Is Riley Leonard a massive upgrade from Steve Angeli? We're going to find out some. I also think it's unfortunate. You know, he's in a tough situation. You're making your first college start at Notre Dame, and you've got basically your future career riding ahead of yeah. you. Yeah. So, like... I feel like there's going to be two drives that Notre Dame fans are already going to decide, well, this guy's either going to be good or he's not. There has to be a little bit of patience here. So I I think in a, in a small pod, you have to take what he does and say, okay, there's either potential here or man, this kind of sucked. Maybe we don't want to do this. Like you just have to not blow things out of proportion, which always happens in college football. But there has to be something in mind that says, Hey, we don't know exactly what this guy can do, and we're going to find out something, but let's not overreact or underreact to his performance because it might make a huge difference on where they go in the direction of uh, of the future.
0: Well, and what we saw from Tyler Buckner in the bowl game yes. last year yes. where it's like boom or bust, you know, <laughs> right. amazing touchdown play or a pick six. So, <laughs> I mean, look, everyone loves the backup quarterback. I, I talk about this. People love the backup quarterback, especially especially at Notre Dame, mm. right? Because Sam Hartman was was good. But he was not the upgrade that I think people touted him to be at quarterback. I mean, he—he mm-hmm. he, he, yes, he won the Duke game with his scramble, but he didn't win them any other games. He was not the reason why they were winning, a, you know, nine games. He won them one game. His play was inconsistent at best down the stretch. Uh, he, he did not live up to the hype. Now, I don't think people who were like, Heisman National Championship, no, that was mm. never really in the cards. No. Unless, you know, he was a dark horse at best. but. Now with Riley Leonard, I mean, you're, you're getting a guy coming off, again, an injury-plagued year, 1,100 yards, three touchdowns, three picks, but again, limited due to the injuries. Uh, the season before, he had a lot of success through for nearly 3,020 touchdowns against six picks. So And he's more of a threat to run, and that's that's the different aspect that helps Notre Dame because you're going to be breaking in a lot of new offensive linemen. You're going to have a log jam in the running back room, which is a positive. It's just who emerges out of that. But I, I think to me... With Angeli, this is his shot, and for everyone who wants to crap on bowl games as being, you know, if it's not a college football playoff game, it's meaningless. I'm like, you're getting to see the future of your roster, Mm -hmm. and I think there's more buzz because you already knew what you were getting out of Sam Hartman. You have no idea what you're getting out of Steve Angeli in the Sun Bowl.
1: Yeah, that's kind of true. I mean, there's a complete wild card factor here um, in terms of all. Like, you you walk into the game, it's like, I have no idea how this is going to go today. Like, that's a great feeling. As I mean, in some ways, like in a game that ultimately um, isn't going to have a ton of impact on the next five years of Notre Dame football, like whether they win or lose, whatever. But like, as a fan walking in, it's like, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. This could be a complete blow up or not. Uh, we had a text. I, I know we've kind of broken down this storyline before, but do you think the options on the edges were sufficient for Notre Dame this year? Uh, at Sam wide receiver, Hartman? yes. No. Well, but 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 it, were they were they workable? Like, how much do we put that on Hartman versus the receivers? That's
0: a good point because everyone wants to say, "Oh, the receivers sucked," and Sam Hartman right. didn't live up to the hype. It's like, well, <laughs> the fact is. Sam Hartman had better receivers to throw to at wake Forest That's than he true. did at Notre Dame. I, I don't think anyone's going to deny that now. Mm-hmm. Can these receivers at Notre Dame improve and, and, and be better? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the problem is I'm surprised that Notre Dame was able to sell Sam Hartman on, on this roster because you look at receiver and there just wasn't anything proven there. I mean, yeah. Jaden Thomas was the most proven guy. Mm-hmm. You had Chris Tyree converting from running back to receiver. Um, Jaden Greathouse was great in the spring, but that doesn't mean anything. Yes, he had a great year, uh, had some injuries, as did Jaden Thomas. I, I think the biggest thing for Notre Dame at receiver this past season, one, the the previous well, two previous wide receiver coaches ago did not recruit the position well. So That's, they were already yeah. hurt there. Um, yes, guys didn't develop as quickly. But also, Notre Dame doesn't usually start true freshman wide receiver, and that's what they did with Jaden Greathouse. So, Mm. I I just think between injuries, you had a a guy who retired medically um, in the spring, and that was their big portal get, Caleb Smith. I mean, he he retired. So, you had that loss. You had Deion Colsey go down, who you expected a lot from, and then the two guys who are giving you consistent snaps, Jane Thomas and Jane Greyhouse battled hamstring injuries in the middle part of the season. And that's where Notre Dame struggled at times, especially in the passing game. So uh, I mean, yeah, they, they've already upgraded the receiver room via the portal from what they had last year. So I think it's, it's a good question. I think Notre Dame though is, is upgraded wide receiver plus the guys who are already there being more experienced. I don't think that will be the issue this year as it was or sorry next year as it was this year
1: yeah I I think I could probably get behind that but uh, we'll see I mean do you think there's a how how realistic do you think if Steve Vangeli comes out completely tears it up you know how much does that factor into the spring next year when it comes to and of course you never know like one of these guys could even if they both come back you say well Don't know if there's going to be injuries. I mean, all kinds of variables that could happen between now and then. But like, do you think there's any like what percentage of scenarios turn out where Steve Angeli is the starter week one next year?
0: Very slim. Yeah. Um, Like we saw with Sam Hartman. I mean, there was a competition with Tyler Buckner. Uh, Buckner did his best. Hartman beat him out. But that was like more experience. I think this one could be closer than people think because Angeli's been in the program, been in the system. Certainly but gives him a really good backup I, I, if he comes back. Yes. I I just hope in these transfer situations with quarterbacks, like schools should not be promising that you're guaranteed to start. Like I don't like that.
1: Oh yeah. Like, you, I,
0: you still have to earn it on the field, and I sure. just I don't know how those are, are played out. Um but but someone texting in, and this is true. Leonard isn't transferring to Indy if he isn't going to be the starter. It's already been decided. Well, yes, but I think you still have to play it out in practices. Like you still have to earn it. Like, yes, they brought him in to be the starter, but I don't
1: think you can say it's a guarantee. Right. And and even, even if it means he's going to be the starter, you know, it's very possible that things could go South the first couple of weeks. Like maybe they get blown out by Texas A&M week one. And you're like, all right, now people are freaking out. So now you've got this guy who's been sitting here that has experience in the program. So he gets inserted. So even if he doesn't start week one, that doesn't mean he won't be in the mix going forward.
0: The, the worst case scenario: this is what I expect to happen. Angeli plays well in the Sun Bowl, mm. gets the spring practice, and realizes he's he's not close mm-hmm. to Leonard. He transfers out. So then Notre Dame has Kenny Menchie, who's a freshman this year, and CJ Carr, who's enrolling and actually practicing with the team now. the The, the heralded quarterback coming out of the Ann Arbor area, mm-hmm. uh, Lloyd Carr's grandson, uh, coming in, and he's he's the backup like that. Like, that's not really a plan, but this is college (laughs) football, right? You have to adapt to this, and quarterbacks want to play, and rightfully so. Uh, 46862, the text line number, one other text on this. uh, CK, I'll start checking ACC rosters now for the 2025 (laughs) Notre Dame quarterback. (laughs) Spot odd. Coming up on the other side, the Colts face a must-win game Saturday versus the Steelers. You want to make the playoffs? You got to win this game. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker, And for Justin Kinney here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kinney in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, no Justin Kinney today. He'll be back actually tonight for the high school coaches show. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Just um, son getting some medical procedure done should be should be okay, but he'll be back tomorrow. Derek Decker stepping up. Uh, from down the hall in the WoWO Wo newsroom joining us, of course, former Tin Caps broadcaster as well. So Derek, great to have you on board this morning. And uh you're learning all the little weird quirks, of course, our, our T V, which is stuck on the four oh, yes. letter network. Oh yes. Uh having Jonas Knox yell at you during commercial breaks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome aboard. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's uh it's in lots of ways. It's more exciting than doing traffic sometimes. Although I will say I had to get up a little earlier. I mean, I, I normally yeah. work ten to six, so like I I did have to get up a little earlier. And I had a game last night, but uh, no, we're we're doing great. What what time did you get home? Uh, actually, it was it was a <laughs> it was a fifty one point blowout I had last night, wow. so it was uh, I got home like nine thirty. Oh, that's so not was bad. fine. No, it's totally fine. I usually go to bed between like usually lights out at like ten thirty, so yeah. that's pretty standard for me. I'm okay. I actually I'm a guy that operates on a little sleep, like totally fine. So like, I, I don't feel tired. I need like five or six hours and I'm good. So I can, I'm totally good.
0: I can fake it for a bit <laughs> and then I crash. I'm not I, like, I, I I joke about this, but like literally I am, I am not a morning person, but I can like fake the energy in the morning. Mm, that's fair. And then it just kind of t- slowly slides down the yeah. rest of the day. I,
1: I'm kind of the opposite of that. Like, like I don't have to fake it in the morning. Like I, I am genuinely like a morning person. I had almost always Bring the energy in the morning, and then I kind of, depending on the day, you know, sometimes I have to rev it back up. Like if you got a broadcast at night, which I have plenty of them during the week, so like <laughs> I have to figure out a way to get the energy. But uh, yeah, definitely, I I liked having morning games. You know, some people like when you're growing up and you're playing like AAU tournaments or whatever, mm-hmm. or like baseball tournaments, and you have a the eight AM game. Ugh. Everybody hates those. I freaking loved those games. <laughs> like I, I just loved getting up You're for that. that guy. I am that kid, and I was so annoying. So <laughs> like everybody hated me in the mornings when, you know, hopping around at 715, getting loose on a 30-degree morning in April, and I'm ready to go.
0: <laughs> uh, 46862 is how you can reach us on the text line. Don't forget, you can text RINGSIDE to 46862. Me and the running for that pair of tickets for wwe sunday stunner we'll give it away at the end of the show plus uh giveaways of a pair of tickets each show for us this week also each show in the afternoon with the sports rush with Brett Rump from four to six so plenty of opportunities to win but again text ringside to four six eight six two to be in the running for a pair of wwe sunday stunner tickets all right the colts and steelers the saturday afternoon game it's going to be wild in indianapolis as we you mentioned mm-hmm. yesterday, you have Purdue uh and Arizona, and then you have Colts Steelers, both at the same time, both in downtown Indy, so it's gonna be gonna be nuts. But for for the Colts in this game, there's no Kenny Pickett. That's what we've been told. Mitch Trubisky starting again, two seven and six teams for the Colts. This is I, I hate the phrase must win. I think it's stupid. But for the Colts to make the playoffs, it is must win. Like you you have to eventually start winning these games. I I mean, you look at the Colts and where they're at in, in terms of how the standings go and the AFC, because it's not just about, you know, your your record overall or your record in the division. You also got to look at your record in the conference. Colts at at, at uh, five and four in the conference. Steelers at five and four. So, like, you got to start winning it's these tiebreakers, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you have to start winning these tiebreakers. And, sure. and And the other thing is, Colts are just two and four against teams with a winning record mm-hmm. right now this season. Yeah. Steelers, I believe, are three and four. And the Colts' schedule is like you can't ask for more opportunities. You have Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Vegas, and Houston. Like and we talked about this for weeks. Like the, the Colts' schedule is their biggest benefit down the stretch. That even if there was going to be a lull, that they'd have these opportunities. And in Cincinnati, a game that you wrote off at the start of the year, at least going into it. Felt closer because there was no Joe Burrow. Obviously, the Colts struggled, but that was coming off a four-game winning winning streak. So, if you can't win these games, like Saturday against the Steelers, you shouldn't be
1: making the playoffs. Eventually, you, you got to get these tiebreakers. Sixteen years it has been. Sixteen years since the Colts beat the Steelers, and and that's just mind blowing. I agree. Yeah. They haven't played every year, um, and they've <laughs> they've blown big leads in a couple of them. And you know, it, one of the most infamous, in in my opinion. Uh, I think it was the 2019 game when in Pittsburgh, kind of the end of Adam Vinatieri's. Oh, wasn't yeah. really the end of his career, but like hooking the field goal that they had a chance to to go ahead late in the game, and and you know it was like a 43 yarder or something, and it wasn't even close. Um, yeah, they they've had some some weird issues with the Steelers over the years. Now, granted, remember here you're talking about yes, it's a home game, but. Likely to be half-and-half half crowd at the very least. Maybe Steelers' advantage. Sometimes it is, depending on the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so,
0: Steelers fans draw. And a lot of people yeah. think that, oh, it's fans coming over from Western oh, PA. No, no they're no, just no, Steelers they live in fans Indiana. everywhere. <laughs> you in exactly right.
1: <laughs> um, but no, it's absolutely a game that they really need to win. Now, they are an okay position. Now, you mentioned the conference records of all the teams that are seven and six, you know, they're right there with Pittsburgh and then everybody else is kind of behind them where they've got tiebreaker advantage. Um, but that's not a guarantee. And again, if you lose to the Steelers, well, one would imagine that Texans Broncos may win. You know, those are a couple teams that have been pretty hot. The Texans are in an interesting spot, I think, but the Broncos have basically been the league's hottest team for quite a while now, or one of the league's hottest teams anyway. Um, I, I think this is a, a game where the Colts obviously have an opportunity to to make a statement that they're for real in the in the playoffs. Like this is the type of team that you have to be if you're going to win a playoff game. Like you talk about making the playoffs, but then the next step is, and granted they're a long way from getting to the playoffs, but the next step is, can they realistically compete in a playoff game? It's the NFL. You never know; stuff happens. You know, teams get knocked off all the time. You know, I probably wouldn't have said. Before the season, the Ravens were going to be uh, in position to have the best record in the AFC right now, but they do, uh, and the Colts have a win over the Ravens on the road. So, like, stuff does happen. It's random. Yeah, Colts what, beat the Chiefs last year, exactly. And and for whatever reason, the Colts have had a weird affinity for beating the Chiefs. You know, they beat them in Kansas City a few years ago on Sunday Night Football when uh, Patrick Mahomes was dealing with a yeah an Jacoby
0: Brissett,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? So you just never know. Um, it, it is what makes the NFL great. But yeah, they they have to win this game. Um, to be taken seriously in the AFC. And I think there are teams that have been on notice. I don't think they're necessarily flying under the radar by any means. I think people have understood across the league that, hey, what Shane Steichen's doing in Indy is, is pretty impressive this year. And, you know, they're they're a team that is tough. But the defensively, this team has shown some weird struggles where they've been up and down big time. Like last week, they had their moments and then, Never really could be in the game in the second half. Kind of disappointing performance, to be honest with you. Uh, I know the weather wasn't great, and I know there were some issues, and you know there were turnovers and stuff. But that is a game last week that you know if you, if you lose a heartbreaker, you feel a whole lot better going into this one. I think it exposed some of the problems. You know, the Colts have won a lot of close games. And they have come out on the right side of some wacky games. You know, just thinking back a couple weeks ago in Tennessee, they come out of that game and overtime somehow pull out a magical win in the last couple minutes of OT. Like, I, I think they are playing a little bit above um, what you'd expect in terms of, of uh, win percentage. Like, I think they're probably a game or two ahead of how good they actually are. But at the same time, they've won those games. And so now they've put themselves in position to uh, to potentially make a playoff push here, and and this is two teams in my opinion that have overachieved based on the way that the, if you watch their games, like uh, they, they, they should have lost more. And the Steelers are a bigger example of that than the Colts. Yeah, the the
0: Steelers offensively. Especially now with Mitch Trubisky. I mean, it's 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 like watching a Big Ten West team. It seriously is. It's (laughs) like
1: special teams and punts and field goals, and they win games doing that. So it's impressive. But at the same time, it's like, is that really sustainable?
0: Well, I mean, when your colors are essentially the same colors (laughs) as the Iowa Hawkeyes, I guess what should we expect? (laughs) Uh, But the Colts Steelers, again, Saturday afternoon, 4.30 kickoff, 3.30 pregame. And you can hear that on our sister station, WoWo92.3 FM as well as Purdue basketball. And speaking of Purdue basketball, Mm. is this a problem for college basketball as a whole? The best game of the weekend, not available on TV. We'll explain that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker in for Justin Kinney here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Derek Decker in for Justin Kinney. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862, and you can text ringside to that number and be in the running for a pair of tickets to WWE Sunday Stunner, April 21st at the Coliseum. Again, just text ringside to 46862. And Purdue fans, listen up. Good luck finding your game on TV this weekend. Oh, Purdue, Arizona, <laughs> top three matchup. Not on traditional. Over the air television or cable, you got to go to Peacock. Um, yes, they had Peacock only games during the college football season, but this this feels different. Like I get that the Big Ten and their their new TV deal, like you, you're going to have games on on Peacock. That's part of it. In fact, there are plenty of Big Ten games on Peacock between, like IU, Michigan, for example. A week or two ago, that was on Peacock, and I get having a game like that on there. But like during football season, the biggest game they had on Peacock was early in the year, and it was Washington Michigan State before Michigan State unraveled. Mm. Like w- this is a matchup of two of the best teams in the country, only on a streaming service. Like our, and I and I understand football pays the bills, but like, do you think they could have? Like, is this really going to drive that many subscribers? Like I, I don't know. I I struggle with streaming services for sports for marquee games because don't you want these on on a bigger platform. Well, it's the ultimate conversation, right? Um,
1: like ESPN's is, not putting the Iron Bowl on yeah, ESPN Plus, right? But this is but this has been the we've seen some push and pull in this, right? Like when, in the NBA, we have seen teams, a couple teams, have gone to over the air for their local games. Yeah. I think that's a trend we're probably going to see continue. So oh, yes, while I part of me wants to say this is the future and blah blah blah, like and for for Purdue fans and for Big Ten fans in general this is not the first time and it won't be the last time that your team will be on Peacock this year because Indiana, I think, has like five Big Ten games. One of them already happened against Michigan last week. IU-Purdue's on Peacock. One of the IU-Purdue games is on Peacock. So, like, again, yes, that's the idea. But as much as I want to say this is the future, some of me says, I really don't know if it actually is. I think it could be a blip where this happens for a few years and eventually we see NBC start to take more sports or NBC... You know, the problem is, I, honestly, part of the problem is, even though this game wouldn't go on there, probably, um, NBC Sports Network doesn't exist anymore. Right. So, like, that is a, a an issue. Like, a lot of the games that would have been, uh, that this year will be on Peacock, like in Indiana-Michigan, for example, probably would have ended up on NBC Sports Network in the past few years. So, that is part of it. I don't know. Maybe this is a future for the Big Ten. Obviously, you're right. The money is there, but it's not like... Peacock was pulling a ton of marquee games in the Big Ten during football season. No, so, and, and I guess that's the issue I have is that you took a marquee game,
0: right, and dumped it on a streaming platform. And I and have honestly, no problem with Peacock, person. Like, right, yeah, their, their interface could use some work, but I'm a longtime subscriber. It's, as it it's, is, I will say,
1: it's the most affordable of the streaming yes. services, and I got, I just, uh, I hopped on the Black Friday, list, oh yeah. so I got it, twenty bucks for the year. So that's, Same. I'm, I'm willing to do that. But, I believe me, I've. I've had Peacock
0: for several years since IndyCar mm-hmm. uh, s- switched all their practices and qualify and they even right. have a race or two on Peacock. So I'm I'm all about that every year and, and have been since that started, I think two, three years ago. But uh, here's the thing with these streaming platforms and, and no one wants to talk about it, but it's true. They're all losing insane amounts of money. Oh, yeah. Peacock this year. So the projection was that they were to lose three billion. Yes, billion like Dr. Real, <laughs> billion dollars. Um and, and instead they've they've changed that to just two point eight billion dollars. So all these streamers are losing insane amounts of money, with the exception, of course, of Netflix mm. um, who has the market share. So you know, I, I like your your thought of this being more of a blip. They're trying this out, but at some point, like you need like this is where you're you're not seeing the forest for the trees by putting a matchup like this where you're limiting it. I mean, just imagine if NBC could just put this on NBC proper, for example. Right.
1: Well, again, it, it, you're right. Probably, it probably, it would be an argument. It may end up being the most watched college basketball game of the season. Now, again, this is an interesting spot in this specific case where you're competing with the NFL and even in Indiana, you're competing with the Colts at the same time. So, like, that would drive down some of the numbers a little bit. But Indiana-Purdue... Depending on how Indiana's season turns out, or maybe even not, that could have ended up being the most watched game of the Big Ten in the regular season. And like people, even like people think of always the best teams being the most watched games. That's not necessarily true. You're talking about fan bases that are invested and people that have big fan bases. Purdue is really good, smaller fan base than Indiana, but Indiana's fan base watches even if they suck. So like it, it's, it's this weird thing where. That game, I mean, you look back at the FS1 history when the Big Ten had more games on FS1, and Indiana's got like three of the top five most watched games in college basketball that they've ever had on the network, and they were unranked in all of them. So like, it's, it's just mind-numbing to me that this is only the first example of Purdue having a marquee game, even if they wouldn't say that Indiana's a marquee game, at least in terms of viewership numbers, it is a marquee game. When they play IU later in the season, and I don't I don't get. Hey, you know what? If I if it was me, I just go to the game because the tickets. I just yeah. looked. It's eighty four bucks. You get Indiana State and Ball State as a bonus. Which Indiana State <laughs> as we they're we, good. Yeah, they're really Ball good. Ball State's not, but Indiana State is. I, I'm not sold on Ball State. Like yeah. they've had a good start and they've had a bunch of wins, but they've played nobody. So
0: I'm already circling this game. I want to say it's December thirtieth. Indiana State, Michigan State. So you get the you know the the mm-hmm. rematch. Um, mm-hmm. But. Michigan State's struggling. Is this the chance for
1: Indiana State to get revenge? And it would not shock me. For people that are wondering, by the way, Indiana State is ranked 22 spots ahead of Indiana right now in Ken Palm. Um, They are uh, going to be five-ish point dogs when they go to, to East Lansing in a couple weeks, so... Yeah, that's very much I feel like that'll definitely be like a trendy pick is depending on how unless they like stumble against Ball State or something or Tennessee State is who they've got after that. But I don't know. That's that's a random thing to talk about. The point is about Peacock staying on topic. You're going to have to deal with this for a couple years. And the good news about it is, number one, I think it's good that it is an affordable stream, like 10 bucks a month for ESPN plus. So more expensive. Maybe you're less apt to buy it. Some of the other well, services... Well, and you don't get live ESPN programming. That's exactly. the part where right, you right. lose me. I've, I've still had like probably the three-year trial. Eventually, that'll change. You know, we're slowly working to that because that's what's... Key. Literally, it is what is keeping cable companies alive. So, and, and places like DirecTV with their physical infrastructure, it's what's keeping them alive. Um, but I don't know. I, I think eventually we're going to see a retreat to more either over the air or whatever the one thing that honestly kind of disappointed me and again maybe this is just first thing and there's not going to be a ton of games on peacock in the big 10 uh wasn't that impressed to be honest with uh with like the quality of the production and that was kind of disappointing if you're going to pay for the product like you you hope that it's going to be a good production weird pairing jack collinsworth with Stephen Bardo, did the Indiana Michigan game, which is kind of mind blowing. Again,
0: I don't have a problem with Bardo. I get that he's mm. uh, a lot of people. I, I feel like it's become trendy to hate him, but I'm like
1: he's. He, I don't I don't have any issue. Okay, I think I he's have fair. other separate issues with Jack Collins, well, that I don't I want to get into. <laughs> well, that's that's part of our great business, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But it, you, people said the same thing about Noah Eagle, and he's legit. Yeah, so like, well, he's, he's does, really good. <laughs> exactly. Um, but again. I just am interested to see how it goes. But literally literally, the last five minutes of the game, sitting there watching the second half, and it's like not buffering per se, but it's like lagging a little bit. And like, I, I know that's really small technical thing, but if you're paying a premium for it, you should expect a, an A-plus product. Like the score bug was off all the time. The score wasn't right. The uh, the fouls weren't right. I, again, I, we're totally nitpicking here, but you should expect a good product and a well-produced product if you're going to pay for it. And I hope that's what they get because this is a big game and it could end up, I mean, this is, at least on paper, looks like it could be game of the year in the regular season. Yes. In college basketball. And there's definitely that possibility there. I thought Alabama and Purdue was a great show on Saturday as well. But this is, to the nth degree, that kind of intensity level and both teams that can score really well and, and at multiple levels, this could be a really good game.
0: Oh, I, I think so. I, I just I'm disappointed that once again, we're talking about streaming in <laughs> marquee games being limited to the stream. And we're, we didn't see this in football season. I guess that's how the many issue how I many
1: have. times did Purdue? How, how many times were they on Peacock Ugh. in football? A few, right? two, uh, two, three? two or three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it wasn't like the marquee games. No, no. So and that's True. where I have. Yeah, the again, there it is. Marquee games, marquee, quote unquote, like Purdue Syracuse early in the season was a night game and it was on NBC. So like they yeah. I I wish it was on NBC, but again, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter to me personally. I just think it's an injustice to the sport. Yeah, and I think well, it's a, a big it is, time. It, it's terrible. Especially, it shows that football is is always the priority. Actually, the real losers here are Arizona fans who now have to buy Peacock for a month because they're never going to have another game on Peacock. So like they're yeah. the real losers here. Like Purdue at least you could say, "Hey, I can buy it for the year and now I get more games to watch my team." But yeah, that's, um, I'm in the Arizona fan base, by the way, just on Twitter, completely insufferable. <laughs> just want to point that <laughs> They're out. They're a bit unhinged. They are ridiculous.
0: Uh, coming up on the other side, Dillinson will join us to break down Riley Leonard to Notre Dame. That's next as we kick off hour number two here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker with you on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker in for Justin Kinney. Justin will be back on tomorrow's show. He'll be back tonight, actually, for the high school coaches show. Uh, And joining us now on the guest line, let's jump right into it. It is Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette. Good morning, Dylan. Good
2: morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh,
0: So before we get into Riley Leonard, Notre Dame, college football transfer, portal talk, all all of that nonsense... um, Arizona fans really chirping at you uh, with your your AP poll votes. What what's the deal with that?
2: Yeah, I I, I didn't realize this when I was doing it, but like I it turns out I was the only the only person not to vote Arizona as the number one team in the country this week. Um, I uh, I voted Houston number one, Arizona number two, um, and so they they got they got mad, and and that was. The thing was, I didn't change anything from the previous week. I had Houston number one the previous week um, and Arizona number two. And I guess there were more people that had that last week. And people were really convinced by Arizona's 25-point win over Wisconsin, which, to be clear, is a good win. Don't get me wrong. I think Arizona's a very good team. I, th- I think some people just need to watch Houston play basketball. I think it's just because Houston is not on TV all that often. They're a smaller conference. saying Those guys are good. Like, I've seen them play a couple times this year, and it has been really, really impressive. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm not as convinced by a 25-point win over Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's quite as good as everyone else does, which is why I also don't have uh, Marquette particularly high. Marquette fans are also mad at me on Twitter for <laughs> my ranking. Um, because, yeah, Wisconsin beat Marquette, but Wisconsin's big win. I don't think Wisconsin's particularly good. I think they're, they're fine. Uh, but I don't think it was particularly impressive for Arizona to, to beat them the way they did. So it wasn't enough for them to jump over an also undefeated Houston. So, yeah, Arizona fans are mad at me. I didn't realize I was going to be the only one that didn't vote the number one. And they assumed it was because I cover Purdue and they <laughs> were playing Purdue on, on Saturday. Um, and then it was pointed out to some of them that I am uh, actually an IU um, uh, an IU alum myself. So. It's, it's always a little interesting to, to see the reaction some people get when when people find out that I cover Purdue, but I also went to IU and the whole thing.
0: Well, you know, nothing like sanity in college sports fans when it comes to rankings, right?
2: Exactly, of course. Is, uh, everyone is always ready to have a rational conversation
0: about it. <laughs> yeah, rational. That, that's the word I would definitely <laughs> use uh, with college sports fans. All right, let's talk Notre Dame. Riley Leonard uh, officially confirmed to Notre Dame in the portal, so the Irish have their quarterback for next year. Why should Irish fans be convinced that Riley Leonard is going to fare better than Sam Hartman for Notre Dame?
2: Well, I guess first of all, because Sam Hartman didn't fare badly for Notre Dame. I think, I think because Notre Dame went 9-3 and three this year, there's been this weird kind of retconning among some portion of the fan base. That Sam Hartman just wasn't very good. Sam Hartman put up career highs this year, like he's better than any season at Wake Forest in completion percentage, in yards per attempt, and in passer rating, he, he, he had statistically the best season of his career. The problem was, for him, Notre Dame lost games that they could have won um, if they had had, against Ohio State, if they had made one defensive stop, and then against Clemson and Louisville, if they had had any receivers to speak of at all. Um, the problem was that he often didn't have anyone to throw to down the field, which is what he's, he's best at because the receiver struggled all season to get open. Now, what I do think, and I think this is uh, the other end of the spectrum, which might be heresy, is I think that when Riley Leonard is healthy, Riley Leonard is a better quarterback than Sam Hartman. Is. He, he is, and, and I know he's not the number one uh, transfer portal quarterback like Sam Hartman was, but he, the reason for that is because he is not, he is coming off a significant ankle injury and it's unclear how healthy he will be next year. I like, if he is 100 percent like he was at the beginning of this previous season, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country and like a potential first round NFL draft pick. He's that good. He runs a four five in the forty. He's got a huge arm that can push the ball downfield accurately, and, and he, he uses that speed to hit home runs in the run game. Like he's he's a really really good player that was kind of undervalued in 2022 because it was he was playing for a Duke team that went nine and four, but that's Duke team to win nine and four, was, was three and nine the year before. Like he had one of the better seasons in the country in twenty twenty two, kind of under the radar, and it was seemed to be heading in that direction this year again. Before he got hurt against Notre Dame and wasn't the same the back half of the season. So, Riley Leonard is a very very good player, and so if, if he's healthy, it, it raises Notre Dame's feelings. significantly.
0: Dylan Sin in the Journal Gazette joining us. So you look at Steve Angeli, who's likely going to start in the Sun Bowl game. Uh, where do things stand in the quarterback room? Is this a situation where potentially Steve Angelli transfers out, knowing that he's, he's not going to have that shot to start? Or will there be a, a logjam on the depth chart coming into 2024?
2: My guess is the most likely he starts the Sun Bowl uh, as kind of a way to get on team's radars. Uh, he plays well in the Sun Bowl, then he enters the transfer portal, and there, there will be teams that will want to, to kind of take him because even at the end of December, there are going to be teams that need a quarterback. So my guess is he kind of uses the Sun Bowl as a way to to put himself out there and say, hey, this is what I can do, Um, and Notre Dame will give him that opportunity. It it seems unlikely to me that they'll be able to retain him. He's played well enough that I think some team would want him to start next year. Um, And you can usually – the the way it works in college football nowadays is usually you can keep a guy on the bench – Uh, for one or two years max and then if you try to do it for a third they're probably going to transfer and so Angeli has played well enough that he's kind of earned the right to start somewhere and so I don't think you'll be able to keep him. The problem for him is now he's kind of caught in a a bind because you're not even guaranteeing him that he's going to start in 2025 because CJ Carr might be ready in 2025 as a redshirt freshman or heck Kenny Minchie could be ready as a redshirt sophomore that year so uh, there's no guarantee that even next year he's going to start. So there would be no real reason for him to stick around.
1: Sticking on Notre Dame here, tell me about if things change, the perception of Riley Leonard, assuming he starts in and has some success next year, you know, does the same, and you mentioned it just a minute ago, do you think the same problems come up in terms of the receivers and the depth that they have there or the lack of depth um, do, do you think that makes an impact on how people will view Riley Leonard, even though he does have a different skill set than Hartman?
2: Yeah, I, I do think that part of it is the, the different skill set. I think that him, his ability to hit home runs with his legs is something that's really going to um, be a boon for Notre Dame, which loves to run the ball, and just having that extra, that extra running threat in the backfield is really going to open some things up. Um, but then I do think that Notre Dame has made a, a significant effort this season this offseason already to go get more receivers, right? Like they, they lost a couple to the transfer portal. They would rather have had Rico Flores back, I think. I don't think they wanted to lose him to the portal, but they went out and got Chris Mitchell from Florida International. They went out and got Bo Collins from Clemson. And those are two guys that are, that are proven commodities at the, at the position, which is something Notre Dame didn't really have last year. then you add in Cam Williams, who's the five-star recruit they're bringing in at the position in in the 2024 class and that's a significant infusion of talent there. So you would hope that it's not, they're not going to have the nation's best receiving core next year, but if you have those three plus Mitchell Evans plus Jaden Greathouse, you feel pretty good about where you stand with pass catchers at least.
0: sent in the Journal-Gazette with us. So they've addressed the wide receiver room in the portal. What's next for the Irish? Is it, is it working on the defensive line and getting some more players there?
2: I think, it's, I think that's part of it. Um, I, I do think that they're losing. So, although, on the defensive line, is less pressing than I think it otherwise would have been because you get Howard Cross back, I think that losing him would have been a significant blow and you would have had to go get a defensive tackle probably, but getting him back is huge. I do think you'll probably need an edge rusher because Notre Dame uh, losing Javante John Baptiste uh, more than likely. Um, and so I think you go get an edge rusher, go get uh, maybe one more receiver if they, they're, they're interested in Jamal Banks from Wake Forest, too. Uh, I said this on Twitter yesterday, but basically I watched Sam Hartman's film last winter when, when he came over. Jamal Banks kept popping off the screen as, like, a great deep ball for it, so if they go get him, I think that would be huge for them. I think you could maybe go get um, an offensive lineman or two if you're losing both tackles. I don't it's hard to build an offensive line through the portal, but you can always add one guy if so you can plug in. Um, so I think that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So th- there are spots to fill, but I-, I don't think there are any positions right now where you're really freaking out if you're Notre Dame that they don't have X like you were a couple weeks ago with the receivers when all those guys were leaving.
0: Dylan, was uh, shifting to Purdue and what they need to do in the portal, I mean, you had over 25 guys enter the portal after season one of Ryan Walters. You lose T.J. Sheffield. You lose Deion Burks, who's now officially going to Oklahoma. Uh, a couple of your, your better receivers. So where what's the starting point for Purdue? They they bolstered line play, but what's next?
2: Yeah, I, I do think it is receiver because you're not only losing those two guys, you're also losing Adur Rahman Yassin, who while well, he wasn't able to stay healthy, he was, like, he was your third-best receiver. Last year, Mershawn Rice is also gone, a guy who they thought was going to be productive for them. Last year, at was receiver but wasn't. Um, I do think that it'll, it will help them if they're getting Jamal Adrien back. He was kind of their prize wide receiver transfer last offseason, and he tore his ACL in camp and missed the entire year. So getting him back will help. I do think that you're going to need to get probably two or three more receivers in the portal. Uh, but there are a lot of receivers available in the portals they could go get. So um, that is going to be a priority. You saw them address the offensive line, as you mentioned there. They got what four offensive line transfers in one day. So it, it's not like they're not active. They know, they know what they need. And they're going out and getting it. So I would expect some receiver commitments here for Purdue pretty soon.
0: And finally, Dylan, we look at Indiana new coach Kurt Signetti getting guys on the recruiting trail, flipping them from JMU. No surprise there. I guess the the question is: Is he able to get a bunch of guys from James Madison, maybe post bowl game, that will also come over in the portal?
2: Yeah, I think that that is going to be a, a significant question here because uh, IU is probably in the toughest position of the three by a pretty wide margin. In that they not only had a lot of guys enter the portal, which is actually, which is relatively normal nowadays, but they had a lot of their best players enter the portal. Right, like you you lose. Lewis Moore and Phillip Dunham in the secondary. You have, like, several offensive linemen in the portal for the five starters from last year. Um, you have Brendan Sorge who went in the portal, Jalen Lucas, and Trent Howland. So you already got Justice Ellison from Wake Forest, the running back, to, to kind of be your, your RB1 next year, which is significant. I do think you have to get some of those guys from JMU to come over. Um, and I'm sure some of them will. Like, that's a big jump. They, they, would, they would make the jump for the same reason that Curtis Cignetti made the jump, which is... You're going from um, Group of Five to Big Ten football, which is a huge step up in competition. So um, you hope that some of those guys will come over, and then you've got to add, keep adding pieces because, yeah, they, there was significant loss of talent, as there was always going to be when Tom Allen exited. So um, you had to, to kind of take that into account when, ta- when you fired Tom Allen, um, that that was going to happen, and you have to hope that Kurt Signetti and trust that Kurt Signetti will build it back up.
1: Real quick on IU follow up here, Dylan. Um, talking about Indiana's quarterback room. You know, right now, obviously Taven Jackson looks like the front runner. The Hoosiers have also offered Jordan McLeod to come over from James Madison. How realistic do you think that he is in the mix once we go forward to next year, assuming he commits to Indiana?
2: Yeah, I mean he's he is. People need to, to not sleep on Jordan McLeod. Like I, like I, I know I sound like a Gen Z uh, social media guy saying that, but like Jordan McLeod is a very, very good player um, and would absolutely start at a number of Power 5 programs. It's not like, oh, we're getting a quarterback from JMU. He won't be very good. No, he's a very, very good player, um, and, and he would start for a lot of Power 5 teams. I do think that IU also has a, an offer out to Curtis Rourke from Ohio, um, who is a very good player as well, so they, they're not putting all their eggs in the McLeod basket. Um, and then Taven Jackson also is, is, is a good player. Like I think we, we we kind of forgot about him in the second half of last season when Soresby won the job, but Taven Jackson played very well at times last season. It would be a, a if, if that's who Indiana ends up starting the season with next year. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. So. Yeah, if you, bring in, if you have Jackson and you bring in one or two guys from the portal, I think you're actually feeling pretty good about the QB room, um, even with Thorpey gone.
0: Dylan Sin, Journal Gazette, joining us. Uh, stay safe from the uh, Arizona haters, and I assume you'll be in Indy for the Indy Classic on Saturday?
2: I will, absolutely. I'm actually pulling a double on Saturday, so I'll be in Indy for the Indy Classic, but I will also be before that in Bloomington for IU Kansas. So it's, uh, they, wow. they, 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 space, they space out of that, in that way.
0: Good luck on, on the drive between.
2: <laughs> oh, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Dylan Sin of the Journal-Gazette, as always, appreciate the time and look forward to reading your work in the paper and on journalgazette.net.
2: Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's
0: Dylan Sin with us. Coming up on the other side, a season of giving. Go ahead and get your, your text line ready at 46862. What team that you do not root for is most deserving of a championship? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker with you on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker in for Justin Kinney today. Justin will be back tomorrow on the show. Don't forget, you can text RINGSIDE to 46862. Again, RINGSIDE to 46862 and be in the running for a four, uh, not a four pack. I, I always want to say four pack cause it's just habit, but a pair of tickets to WWE Sunday stunner, April 21st at the Coliseum. Again, ringside text that word ringside to four, six, eight, six, two. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. All right. Season of giving, right? There are a lot of teams that have had tough years and I'm talking like maybe a tough 30 years, maybe a tough forever, but a team that hasn't won a championship within the last, oh, I don't know, 30 years. What What is your team that, okay, you're being nice, and it can't be a team that you root for, to put, put that in perspective. Just got to be a random team that you say, you know what, maybe they deserve it this year. Uh, maybe they deserve a championship for the first time in a long time. And uh, send us your thoughts on the text line at 46862. We've already had a couple entries, the Browns someone jokingly sending the Toledo walleye. Um, <laughs> well, I don't that buy that was. for a second. Um, <laughs> but I, I look at this and you have, I mean, the obvious candidates, right? The lions, the Browns, the bills, like those are all obvious choices. I think for me, I'd go with the lions mm-hmm. just because I agree like that. the bills have at least been competitive and the Browns have made the playoffs and they, they at least had a decent run. What a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but for the lions, I mean, and, and they're not looking good lately, right? They're, since Thanksgiving, it's been very up and down, right? But to me, I think I'd go with the Lions as far as the the team most deserving. Yes, there are plenty of teams. College or pro. This is open to college or pro. Right. But it can't be a team that you root
1: for, so... Okay, well, tell me that, like, further define the question of yeah. most deserving. Like, they've had a good year, or like their fan base has suffered Their for fan a long base,
0: time. yeah. Okay. Fan base has suffered.
1: Okay. Well, then I think you could posit... I even I mean if you take away the last couple of Years of success then you could posit the Bengals Yeah, like they get in the mix The Cowboys haven't won in 29 years, I guess 30 years now mm-hmm. 95 was their last title like I I know they're America's team and Everybody loves to hate them and stuff but like <laughs> they They've been through a lot of garbage like they've Had some pretty good teams and for a team That is the most profitable franchise In the history of sports not just the NFL uh, They've suffered some like they, yeah. they have suffered Some so and again they fit that 30 Year window mm-hmm. essentially That's
0: right like I, I mean bill's basically right thing. on the spot bills mm-hmm. I mean think about all the success they Had in the early 90s and then think about the Success they've had with Josh Allen but yet, right. but no, Yeah, no Super Bowl wins That's and no great Super fan Bowl base too. like
1: yeah I, I love The bills fan base I would say if I'm gonna go by the way I'll give a two for here I'll go to College and I will definitely take Granted it's not a team that I root for it's a team that I hope has success Because of the connections I think a team that could win the championship this year is Washington. And I think 91 was their last title. Um, And of course, you know, that was different times of college football, but um, the Indiana connections are obvious, you know, chatting with Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix when they were at Indiana, covering that team at the time, being a student at IU when that happened um, and and Penix was there. It's almost like a second claim team, but um, they're really fun to watch. And, it would also be good for the sport. Again, remember, now they're going to the Big Ten, so this means less. But for the Pac-12 to get a title in today's college football, that says a lot. I mean, when you look at the last the the top 13 teams that finished in the the last college football playoff rankings, the only team that wasn't from the Big Ten or the SEC um, outside of of Washington was uh, Florida State. So, yeah, I, I think it says something to to say, hey, look, they're a future future big 10 team. Um, but yeah, if they were able to get a title, that shakes some things up and everybody loves that in this sport. And I don't think there were a lot of people until maybe the last few weeks of the year that saw a scenario where Georgia was not going to be in the playoff. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I disagree. Like, I mean, I saw that scenario. It well, seemed pretty I said obvious. That too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but still a lot of things had to go right for them not to make it yes. with one loss. Like I agree that they certainly aren't the team that they have been the last couple of years. You know, Georgia was not as good um, but you know, again, all the things had to come together. They had to lose in the SEC championship to Alabama. They lost to another team. If it wasn't Alabama and some other team made it, and maybe Georgia makes it, whatever. Um, but that's beside the point. Definitely Washington for a fan base that again has had some sporadic success. It's a good program, but not an elite program. And now, uh, Heisman type quarterback has taken them to to amazing heights. Um, and, and a rising star in Kalen DeBoer. I. Don't know though. Like this, is this his ceiling? I don't know. I really don't. Like, if he finds himself a home at Washington, maybe Kalen DeBoer sticks around and he could be a longtime coach there.
0: All right. I like your pick of Washington. I'm gonna go. Um, so to me, the Lions are my NFL pick. Uh right. for, for I agree with college that, by the football, way. I I agree with your your Washington pick. I like that. They're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. How can you not like Michael Penix Jr. and Roma Dunza. Uh, I mean, they're just, they're amazing to watch. Canland war offense. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, and the NBA. Mm. There are a couple of really good candidates uh, at play here. And I think the, the team that people aren't really talking about, even though they're having a phenomenal season, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they've had so many good years. I mean, think about the Kevin Garnett years and, and mm. you know, that was 20 years ago at this point, but they're not winning championships, but they have the talent to do it. They have the tie for the best record in the NBA with the Boston Celtics at 17 and 5. Um, I also want to throw out the Kings because, again, they had a lot of success in an era, but they haven't won anything in Sacramento. So, uh, But I really like the Timberwolves as far as my NBA pick for this
1: list. Not bad. I, I think uh, the Kings are in the mix for me. I, I like that you brought that one up because that's a team another another team that has a pretty good fan base and an incredible atmosphere in the regular season, which is not something we see in every NBA place. Um, and, and yeah, they're, they're pretty fun to watch. And huh, how could things have been different for the Kings? Um, <laughs> so there's <is> more pain. <laughs> not not playing the pain. Lakers. I mean. Well, that's that's also true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think the Kings are a good pick. Um, to me, though, like, I don't want to be too nice and give out championships to just anybody, teams that deserve a title. Like... The Lions are a quasi-local team. Like there are Lions fans in Fort Wayne, so you know there are some people that would call them, um, you know, uh, claim them as their team here in the city. But to me, the biggest team that could win a championship that is a legitimate contender um, in the future, the next couple years at least, probably not this year. I still think is the Bengals. And again, they they've had the success. They have had the success the last couple years. But they, but again, st- no Super Bowls. No Super Bowls, and they stunk forever. And even the times they made the playoffs, they went it almost was 20 years. Done. Yeah, they, they went almost 20 years without winning a playoff game, so they are very Lions-esque, and I'm glad to see them have success. Is there a team in
0: college basketball that's just like a random team? Any I, Big Ten team? <laughs> I, I mean, the the obvious answer for a lot of people, if you're not a Purdue fan, it's Purdue. Um, I feel too invested in Purdue because of Fletcher lawyer and and Caleb first. And then also for me, Braden Smith, I went to Westfield, so he's a Westfield grad. So I, I feel too invested in that for that to be my pick, even though it is the obvious pick in this scenario.
1: Right. I think I'm too biased to say Indiana because they would also qualify. It's been over 30 years. Um, But just looking at other teams in the big 10, I think a team like Illinois is a, is one there where it's like, okay, they've had some really good teams that have had success that have just kind of fallen apart at the wrong times. You know, they have. Again, this is a problem for every Big Ten team, but they haven't been to the second weekend in like twenty years. So, and they've had some great teams over the last uh, last few seasons um, under Brad Underwood. Who, by the way, big uh, big Brad Underwood guy. I'm a I'm a huge Brad Underwood supporter. I think he does a terrific job. But I feel like I'm too big of a homer like every year when people ask, like, who's the dark horse in the Big Ten or dark horse to the final four? I always pick Illinois, Illinois, (laughs) and then they never make it to the second weekend. But uh, Illinois would probably be that pick for me again. mm, Handful of Illini fans around most of those on the western side of the state. But um, that is a team that is legitimate, that has had success, that has tasted it and been really close in the past. that just has not gotten there. So I I would definitely pick Illinois.
0: And we have a baseball entry on the text lining in a four-six, eight six two. If you have a team, again, can't be a team that you root for. They cannot have won a title in the last thirty years, but you say they're deserving of a championship. Uh, and we have an entry for the Padres, which, yeah, I like that pick. Uh I I mean, to me, the, the obvious one is the is the Angels. Right. <laughs> that's that's my pick, just because of you lose Shoei Otani, you yeah, have Mike Trout. And and right. maybe deserving is not Not the right word, but it would solidify legacy. Yeah, it would. I'd it's more for Mike Trout. It's not because they botched it with Otani, it's really because they've had Mike Trout and they just what they went to the playoffs (laughs) one time in his career. Um, that's the pick. I mean, I I can't pick the Reds, I'm biased there. Mm -hmm. Um, can't pick the Cubs because they already won a championship in in 2016. I'm a a
1: Tigers guy, so I can't go there. But I would love to see them win a title. I mean, there's a, another fan base that, uh, well, <laughs> you pick any Detroit sports except the Red Wings and say they've <laughs> suffered forever. Yeah, so. except And the now they stink. Right. And the
0: Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. Yes. 20,
1: what, are they still uh, 20, 20 in a row? Yeah, 20 in a row. In a
0: row. I, I'm not sure what The Pacers 21. lost the other night was 20 straight, so yes. I know that. Uh, yeah, 20 in <laughs> a row. It's, it's unbelievable. Like, I didn't realize they were that bad, and Justin pointed out to me, yeah, haven't they lost like a bunch in a row? And I'm like, oh, I thought they won one. <laughs> And I looked it up. No, 20 straight. It's, oh, it's awful. That's impossibly bad. Yes, <laughs> just, it is. And, and remember they paid all that money for Monty Williams yes. to be the head coach. So, <laughs> uh, but four, six, eight, six, two, uh, again, a team deserving of a championship, not your favorite team. Can't be a team you root for. If they won a tie in the last 30 years, they're excluded from the conversation. But I think it's a, it's an interesting question across, uh, some of the sports. And then, is there a hockey team? I mean, to me, it's literally the Toronto Maple Leafs and everyone else. Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't a, think there's, there's any way given. to dispute that. Because
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that.
0: I, I mean, I have no connection to the Maple Leafs, but they haven't won anything in years, and it's always a awful, like heart wrenching playoff exit, seemingly year after year. Now they
1: have a massive fan base. They do so, and then there's a lot of lot of fans in the states of the Leafs. So. Definitely. I mean, there's a, a lot of people around that uh, that pull for the Leafs. So, yeah, it'd be nice to see them win one. I mean, there's definitely some just a Canadian team hoisting the cup. I think would be meaningful. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Especially considering all the things that have happened and you know expansion teams <laughs> competing the way that they have and the success that Vegas had early on, like and still is having. So, yeah, I, I, I would say I, I can get behind the Leafs for sure. The last
0: Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup 1993. That is Montreal
1: unbelievable and we've had what like five or six times oh, yeah. a florida team has won the championship since then so <laughs> that's amazing yeah, the lightning seemingly do it like every right. five years the
0: panthers uh yeah uh that's... panthers at least played for the cup yep um once or twice in the
2: yeah, last i mean years.
0: think about the canadian teams that have come through to since i mean you've had calgary that had a, a good run mm-hmm. um you've had vancouver make it uh, it's not like they haven't had opportunities so True. I mean, to me, it's Toronto and literally any Canadian team because they all qualify, sadly, <laughs> for that list. 46862. If you have any additional entries, let us know at 46862. Just put in CK before your message. Coming up next, rumors continue to bubble. Could there be more expansion for the Big Ten Conference? That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker with you here on a Wednesday on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Derek Decker in for Justin Kenny. He will be back tomorrow. And you with us on the text line 46862 is how you reach us. Again, 46862. Running out of time to enter for today's pair of tickets to see WWE Sunday Stunner, April 21st at the Coliseum. Again, just text RINGSIDE to 46862. RINGSIDE to 46862. And you will have your chance to win today. Winner will be picked at the end of the show. All right, Derek, uh, rumors have been bubbling. I I saw this pop up last week. I don't think there's a lot of truth to it, but there are rumors flying that Florida state could be out of the ACC at the end of, as soon as the end of next month, they want to join the big 10 because of course everyone does. It would basically double their, their payout from about 40 million to nearly $80 million. Money is always a factor in these things. Um, this this seems like something that Florida State is reaching for because why not join the SEC? Like that is a more natural fit, and Florida State would need a dance partner in all of this. Whether it's Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, or even Notre Dame, which Notre Dame, since they shored up their TV deal, signed an extension with NBC. I think that's a non-starter.
1: This makes no sense to me. I, I just do not see this happening. Um, and I was looking through this last night, you know, trying to piece it together and, and think about the ways that it can make sense. And it just doesn't... Like, it's certain, Everybody wants to be in the Big Ten. You just said it like, yes, everybody wants a piece of the pie like everybody wants the money, and I get it. How could you not want to be in the Big Ten at this point? Um, because e- even though the SEC has... The, the football prestige and everything. I, I just, again, though, like to me, it just doesn't make any sense for anything else and in, in not even in football. That's the one place, the one place the Big Ten has not gone that has stayed more or less sacred SEC, ACC ground. There is nobody that has gone down to the South yet and picked off a Big Ten team. Like they went to the West Coast and that's fine. You know, they caused the Pac-12 to crumble. That's great. They went to the East Coast back in the early 2010s. And got Rutgers in Maryland, which <laughs> there's still questions on, you know, whether that was a good move at the time. You know, Jim Delaney was still the commissioner then and, and all that. But um, Florida State, like, it's it's one of those things where it's almost like a one-way interest. Like, Florida State says, hey, we want to join the Big Ten, but does the Big Ten have interest in bringing them on? And as you mentioned, the partner, there, there's no classic fit. It, it, one thing that goes underappreciated, at least in some ways, is the uh, the American Association of Universities thing that the Big yes. Ten? It's not a it's not a hardline standard, but almost every school in the conference is a part of that, and, and isn't the only holdout Nebraska who was a member and then is not a member, right? Uh, if yes, I remember that is, Nebraska is the only team of the current Big Ten. Yes, yes, that uh, that is not, and then and of they, the new Big Ten they're all. They're all members. members: UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon, all members. So, like the, the the academic thing is a real thing. So, as much as people want to talk about money, and that is that's a different setup than the SEC. So, um, Florida I, State's not a school known for academics. Uh, no, <laughs> this is not this is not me trying to play like, hey, the Big Ten is doing the whole the card where, hey, we're we're the prestigious thing. I'm just saying these are how some of these decisions get made. And for people that want to just say, well, it's really all about money, and it is there is an aspect to this where the AAU does play a part and not the not the basketball AAU so yeah it, it is a thing um, well university presidents
0: want to sign off on yeah. this stuff but also look good from the research and collaboration sure. perspective Absolutely. so that it uh, is is something that is is positive for them like they don't mm-hmm. want to have to do that and and, and be like well yeah but like, what are we adding academically? Like, yeah. and, I, and I get it. That doesn't matter to sports fans, and it doesn't really matter to TV contracts, but it does matter to these university presidents, who Absolutely. are ultimately the ones making these final decisions.
1: Yeah. By the way, the only two that are in the SEC that are a part of it are uh, Texas A&M, well, Texas now in the SEC, and uh, Mizzou are the only members of the AAU in the SEC, and there's a handful in the a- in the ACC again to me there's no logical sense in Miami bringing Miami Miami is a member by the way of this it doesn't make sense to bring them into the Big Ten it doesn't seem like there's a lot of interest things do move fast though like we learn stuff on the fly and say well this is this has actually been going on behind the curtain for the last six months and saying hey we've been in talks with the Big Ten about potentially joining Clemson would be a a, a great pickup in terms of football quality um but again Doesn't really seem like there's a lot of fit there. Um, North Carolina is the one that makes sense. I agree with that. And and again, there is more appeal there because of the basketball aspect, which does bring in some like That's why people floated Kansas for a while coming out of the Big Mm -hmm. 12. Like there's some natural rivals in there um, and would boost things in basketball while bringing a respectable football program, a team that has been in the top 25 or around the top 25 consistently for the last few years. Um We'll see. I, I just I think this is a lot of smoke and really n- nothing behind it. I, it's reactionary from missing out on the college football play. It is. That's and, all. And, uh, it is. Honestly, it's just like <laughs> we've got people filing legislation to say, we <laughs> let's make a law to get college football playoff to, to accept Florida State. I, I uh, agree that there was injustice done here. I mean, I fully agree with that. Some people don't, by the way. Um, some people think that Florida State shouldn't have made the playoff. I, I disagree with that. I think they did deserve it. I you look back at, at what they did and this is not an advertisement for Florida State football, but at the same time, yes they got hosed. Does that mean they should jump ship? Not yet. And I don't know. I I still think when conferences expand again and look, reality says that we're ultimately moving to a place at least in football where there's going to be an, a group of universities rather than conferences. Yes. And the Big Ten and the SEC, at some stage, are probably going to merge. And that might be in the next 10 years. Who knows? But there's going to be this elite group. Florida State's going to be in the elite group. So whether that happens with all their other sports, who knows? Maybe they join the Big Ten. But again, college football is going to look different in 10 years instead of just being right now as it is going forward next year. Big Ten and the SEC are the only two real players at a national stage. Now you've got maybe 20, 30 teams at the top that will be in the mix that won't really matter what conference they're in. So um, it probably won't even be conferences. It could be set up like the NFL. It could be set up in like divisional situations That's where they true. play like that. And it, Seriously, like this is this is the way things are trending. And then they could have a big playoff where like half the teams make the playoffs, and then they could go from there. So I, I think that's a lot more likely. So while there is some writing on this for Florida State, I don't think it's the end all, be all, and I I don't see a immediate move coming to the I, Big Ten.
0: I don't see the fit for the Big Ten either. Coming up next, we'll wrap things up here on a Wednesday. A California woman's toilet flooded her apartment, but not with water. <laughs> we'll explain what's going on here next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb at Sherry Decker with you, thirteen eighty the fan and one hundred point nine FM. Final time here. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Final chance for you to text ringside to 46862. Again, ringside to 46862. Be in the running for a pair of tickets to WWE Sunday Stunner, April 21st at the Coliseum. So we'll pick a winner at the end of the show. All right, Derek, final stories. Derek Decker filling in for Justin Kenny today. A California apartment tenant was dealing with a mystery toilet issue where her toilet would flood her apartment, not with water, but with foam. Uh, This video got nearly 6 million views on TikTok as she tried to figure out what was going on, but uh, something, obviously, in the pipes, whether it was soap or got stuck, but (laughs) instead of water, it's just foam everywhere. And then the mystery never really solved, but did eventually stop after she had called uh, maintenance and, and finally... He just shop vaced it up, basically.
1: Yeah, so the the maintenance guy comes in and says he was, quote, fighting for his life against the wall <laughs> of foam. Uh, the, the greatest, i got to find this quote, because she had a great quote. The lady's apartment, yeah, there you go. Okay, so she said, she theorized it could have been caused by a neighbor kid's science experiment gone awry, Or that someone, quote, went ham with their laundry detergent and shut the system down. (laughs) (laughs) This is the greatest thing ever. It's literally like walking in. When you see this video, it's like walking into your bathroom and there's three or four inches of snow on the ground. It just looks like untouched snow, except it's just emanating from the, the toilet. Like the bowl's closed and it's just like... Draining foam everywhere—it's just fantastic. Like, how would you like to walk into your house and see that? Like, what, what what would your reaction be? Like, she took a TikTok. She made a TikTok of it. I don't think that the first thing on my mind. But.
0: Like, I would probably just be so stunned that I would just start laughing. <laughs> like, sometimes when stuff goes wrong, you just have to laugh, and I think that's what I would do here. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us today. Thanks to Derek for filling in for Justin Kinney. Great to have you on board. Uh, thanks to Dylan Sin of the Journal of Gazette for joining us. Dan Patrick Show coming up next. The herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from three to four. And the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from four to six. Another chance for you to win a pair of WWE Sunday Stunner tickets. Thanks for thanks for joining us here on thirteen eighty The Fan and one hundred point nine FM.